One of the things I try to do on well-being each week is to bring to your attention something different about our health or well-being. This week's program looks at the influence childbirth has on all of us, not just at the crucial time of birth itself, but into our later life. To talk to me about how this happens, I have with me psychologist Susan Dalby. Susan, welcome to the program and thank you for coming in. Thank you, Iris. I'm glad to be here. How did you become involved in this study about how birth can affect both mother and child? That is a long story. I think that I, I will have to break it down into three parts. Uh, personal, personal influences have brought me to look at this. Professional, and also I think m more recently looking at it from bringing birth back into a more woman-centered position from where it is now. So let's start with the beginning of those three, obviously, okay. and your own personal thing that influenced you. I grew up very much with the idea that birth was a normal process. I was born at home, and um, my cousins were all born at home, and it just occurred. And as I've gone through life, I've noticed that birthing seems to have become more and more difficult, and that has really drawn me into studying how personality develops and how birthing can actually affect personality right from the very start. My background, my professional background, is that I'm um, a personality specialist, and I also look at trauma and s such things like child abuse, domestic violence, etc., that have, have had that a huge effect and impact upon personality. And childbirth definitely comes into that category. One of the areas that I'm specifically interested in is how nurturing can affect the personality and how that can actually heal the things that we've just, mm. I've just spoken about. The third aspect I was talking about, which is woman-centered, is that our birthing practices have become far more technological and the woman is basically there to produce the baby. It's, it, it's become quite distorted, I believe, unfortunately, without anybody really meaning to get like that. I'm not trying to blame anybody in particular. It's just how we've gone. And I, I liken it to this. When have you actually ever seen the shell broken to get the chick into this world? And when have you ever seen a chrysalis broken for, to get the butterfly out? So, but this is what's happening to our women at the present moment. We are having an abnormal amount of intervention which is really frightening women, and I, I really believe that we're at a crisis point. So taking all of those, and particularly the last one about the intervention, mm -hmm. with this do you feel that the society, if you like, expects there to be crowds around the mother, specialists there following all of that through, rather than the midwife-doctor-patient review? that we do tend to try to spread ourselves a bit thin, if you like, at, at that particular time. I'm not quite sure what you mean by spread yourself, ourselves a bit thin. Can you explain a little well, more? Well, there seems to be, from the time that the, the baby is conceived, mm -hmm. that the mother is then expected to go to different sections, if you like, for scans, for ah, yes, antenatal, which yes, you have anyway, indeed all of those things at mm. the time of birth they mm. have years ago it was just the midwife and the and the mother now there's mm. uh, the father and the auntie and, mm. and on all of these things mm. do you think that 
that pressure is is becoming too much for the girl as well. I totally agree. I, I, you're right. I, that's my personal idea, and it's not just me. There are many other people who believe that too. I think a lot of the tests and the, the examinations that you're talking about and the investigations that you've just mentioned will actually help to increase the fear because it, we're coming from a perspective of prevention. A whole medical model which has invaded birth, which is really a natural, normal process, in so doing has made birth an abnormal process. And I think because we have gone into this technology and into this fear and, and preventative mode with birth, that that has huge implications for, for women in terms of their mental attitude towards giving birth. And the other question that you asked was, is there, are there too many people? Yes, I, I think that's true. I think that uh, birth is a process of going inward for the woman. And instead of that, what happens is that she has to go out to cater for all these other people who are involved, the father, mm. the, the, the doctors, the, everybody. So she's really, I think, drying up her resources all the way through. So no wonder mm. she's exhausted when she gives birth. So have you come across many people in the course of your, of your practice who have been scarred by, by this happening? Perhaps scarred's not the right word, but perhaps traumatised might be a better idea. I, I like your term scar, because I think that everybody can relate to a scar, whereas trauma tends mm. to be one of those terms that's just bandied about and it just, you know, just everybody uses it, you know, you can be traumatised by, you know, cleaning your mm. teeth the wrong way in the morning or something, you know, but scarring is it's a mm. very tactile experience. There's definitely a scar on the psyche, absolutely. Um, whether you want to look at that from an esoteric point of view or from a very... Um, biological point of view there definitely is again I go back to the hormones that are released during the birthing process and if they fall in a pattern that is not favorable for the baby the mother the, for example if the mother is feeling extreme fear those those fear hormones are bombarding that child at birth and it quickly turns off the the, the need for nurturing it becomes a need for survival so a child is primed for survival at the beginning, and, and that can go all the way through that child's life into adulthood and beyond. Has it been that, as in your position as a psychologist, that's drawn you um, in this particular way of looking at life? I don't think so. I believe that because I was fortunate enough in having a, rare, a very blessed earlier life. I mean, my life hasn't been a bed of roses. Nobody's has. But I was given a lot of love as a child, and that actually led me to have a lot of self-esteem. I wasn't aware of it until, you know, I got older. And I think that because of that, it led me to doing the work as my work as a psychologist. And I don't think of myself as a psychologist. I think of myself as a person who conducts their life as a psychologist. I feel very privileged actually to be a psychologist because I, I get to listen to people's experience and that in itself is such um, it's a gift because we see things from a large view. You don't just see that microcosmic view and then you it just alter your world view. You I have a deep respect for human beings and I have a deep respect for their strengths and um, I that's, that's my position. 
I was reading about your childhood mm. and that you were born in Norfolk yes. and it later came to Australia. How long have you been in Australia? About 20 years. So have you been practicing here all that time? Yes, I have. I was, mm. was practicing as a counsellor and a teacher in the United Kingdom and I continued that here and I, I qualified as a psychologist here in Australia. I'm talking today with psychologist Susan Dolby and we're talking about how the experiences of childbirth can affect both the mother and the child. Susan, do you think that these days young women know enough about the options available to them when the time comes for them to have a baby? I think that women, young women now are becoming better informed. I, I think we've been through a dark period in terms of childbirth when the only option was the hospital. Mm. I believe that there's a, it's multifactorial, that cause. Uh, the media, I believe, has been responsible for that. I mean, you look at things like Home and Away and you see them, you know, writhing in pain, screaming and all that kind of stuff. I was actually looking at a magazine only last week. It was one of the the larger magazines that deals with parenthood and, and birthing. And on the inside of the front cover was a picture of a woman in a hospital bed. Now, they were actually advertising uh, underwear, but the picture was quite horrifying because it had the, the woman in the supine position, which is totally, that's, uh, that's a powerless position to start with, trying to get at these nurses who were, who were stealing her underwear, and they were wearing the theatre garb. So that, if you're looking at things in terms of subconscious suggestion, is saying you're helpless. You know, we, we're, we're taking things from you and you don't have any choice in this. So we are moving away from that model, but I think that it's going to be a long time before women actually do start embracing the idea that they do have options. And there are more options out there. What difference does it make to them psychologically to be given an option? Oh, empowerment. You know yourself, um, if you've ever been in a situation when you don't feel like you have control, the difference that it makes to you. Mm. I mean, I know myself, if, I, if you don't feel in control, it, it, it's quite overwhelming. Mm. So if we are given options for how we birth, and we, we make those options on informed, it's an informed decision that we make based on research and interviewing particular practitioners, then it's, it's an, a most empowering experience and the woman will probably go forward to birth in a way that's appropriate for her without calling for intervention. You mentioned that for a while women weren't given any option except to go to hospital and have mm, their baby. Mm. When I had my kid, she had the first baby usually at, mm. in a hospital and the next two, three, whatever, mm. um, you had at home. And we accepted that as being the norm and mm. yet... In this day and age, to have a baby at home seems to be quite a, a, an enormous step. How, you know, am I brave enough to do it? Indeed. Uh, and yet, to me, it was it was the most natural thing. You Indeed. were at home. Indeed. So I, I guess the question you're saying there is why has it become that way? Mm. Well, for me, that, um, again, I believe that is because of the surrender to medical um, expertise, the feeling that we have to go outside of ourselves to to help. We, we can't. We, we no longer have the capacity or the belief that we are not in control of what we do. We have to have something. We have to have a pill. 
You know, I was in Sydney only last week and I looked, I was sitting at the, the, the Balmain uh, Darling Street, um, I think it's Victoria Road Crossroads there, and there was a big sign up on a chemist's wall saying, we can help you with the misery of period pain. Take this pill, you know, and, and it'll go away. And it's like, no, we don't look outside ourselves. Inside ourselves, we can do it. And, mm. and this is what we're talking about. We're talking about externalization of control, which has come through the media, through medical intervention, unnecessary intervention, technology, and we've arrived at this state we are in now. And, and this is why women are scared. Do you think there are any advantages of having home births over hospital births? I Unless, of course, so. there's a, um, an emergency. Oh, agreed, agreed. We need, look, let's, let's not be saying we can't have hospitals because we do need hospitals and there are lots of really wonderful uh, nurses and doctors out there who are taking care of babies who've, who are early, were born early, or they've got some problem along the way. They do a fabulous job. Uh, but I, I think that what's happened is that the, the technology spilled over into normal birth, and so what we were talking about before, so everybody's scared. I certainly think home birth, for some people who feel confident enough to do it, is the best way because at least you're in your own environment. You don't feel like you've been invaded by people all looking at you. You're not having all these procedures that the hospitals impose. As soon as you go into the hospital, you, you relinquish your power because you are, you are under their supervision. Mm. And so consequently, all sorts of things happen to you that wouldn't happen to you in your home. My next question was to you was, um, do you think that there are still some hospitals that give the girls the feeling that they're churning out the babies and, and you've got to fit into the system? And, you know, does this have an effect on the, on oh, the mother? Sure, Obviously, sure, does. because, as I said before, the hospital has to do its job because it runs by the guidelines that are mm. laid down by the hospital. But those guidelines are disempowering. And if you come from, if you feel like you have been disempowered, it will have a huge psychological impact upon you. It will have a huge impact upon the way you birth and a huge impact upon the way you bond with the baby. Can you explain that a little finer as regarding the, the bond between mum and baby? Okay. I'll go to a biochemical explanation there because it probably makes it a little easier to explain. What happens is that, I think I mentioned earlier, that the fear hormone, adrenaline, will come in. There are other wonderful hormones that are necessary at birth. The one, of the, one of the most important is oxytocin. Now, oxytocin is knocked out by adrenaline. So what happens is the mother then goes into a tense state. It's, it, it goes fear, tension, pain. The more fear you have, the more tense you are, the more pain you will feel. So then we start this whole cascade of, of needing medication that you don't necessarily need, and then it goes to epidurals, and, you know, it just gets blown out of proportion. So to look at it in terms of the oxytocin as being a necessary hormone to complete the birthing process, because this is the hormone of love, and it is. It's a hormone of altruism. It actually is all through our daily lives without us actually realizing And every time we shake hands with somebody, every time we smile, when we have a massage, it's involved in sex. It's involved in just being friends with people. So it's a very necessary hormone. It's the, whole, the hormone of altruism. So what happens is, is that hormone is not released. The baby doesn't experience it. So that, that then sets off a whole other problem for 
the bonding with the mother because if you don't bond with the baby in the first hour after birth is the most important time. Oxytocin is at its height in that first hour. And if you don't have that, it makes it an awful lot more difficult for that relationship to take place. So what needs to be done to avoid this? A whole change in attitude towards the way birth, <laughs> which is, that, that's just a little job, you know. <laughs> On that note, I'll remind people that they're listening to Wellbeing. Today, I have with me psychologist Susan Dalby. And we're talking about the lasting effects on both mother and baby at the time of birth. Susan, you mentioned that it's a, a big question about what can we do about the bonding session with a mother and babe. If we can go double back a bit to the hospital mm-hmm. type birth, are there opportunities for mother to be to get to know her midwife and the, and the nursing staff as, as well as she would like to? within the hospital system? Uh, In a word, no. Um, Because of the way the system runs, uh, it's very unlikely that a woman visiting a hospital and and choosing a hospital birth will meet the same midwife each each time she goes for an antenatal visit. So the the relationship really is the most important thing with the birthing process. And so what happens is that that is very difficult that's not to say that there are not some wonderful midwives within the, within the system, but it just makes that necessary bonding of relationship, which is in everything when you think about it, the mother, the mm-hmm. baby, midwife, doctor, woman, that necessary relationship is not really given time to develop because each time you meet a new person, you have to establish a sense yeah. of trust yeah. and feeling safe. You know. Let's move on then to the mother's had her baby and she's now, she's had however long, within the hospital system, she goes home. And often the, the mother feels overwhelmed by the responsibility and feels that all that exists for her now is her babe and everything else has got to fit in with that, mm-hmm. meaning the father, the other members of the family, the children, any other children, housework, just everyday living. How big a, a problem can that cause in the process, perhaps, of postnatal depression, how much does that add to it? The pressure of being... Perfect. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Um, I think that everything... There's, there's a huge pressure on young people today to be perfect. It, it just seems to be... I'm astonished, actually, at how many people, how many young women are just so hard on themselves. This performance anxiety is, I think it is actually at an epidemic level right now. And the slightest thing that goes wrong, it's mm. the, the, the punishment, the self-punishment that women inflict upon that. And I think that that's probably why some women do focus on the baby because they're just too stressed to be able to imagine having anything else, let alone mm. a relationship with a husband or, you know, it's, it's, it just becomes an obsession. And I think because of this isolation, uh, I think that that idea of I have to be totally in charge of this baby, otherwise who else is going to be, that is, is in itself the isolation will tip women into postnatal depression. And that in, in part has been created because I feel that we've lost t- connection with our community. Um, over the years we've, we've, we've developed this individual model of, of, of how we have to be. But 
because we're afraid of being dependent on another, Mm. but in fact it's more about interdependence. So it's what we're finding with women is that they they really believe that they have to do this mammoth task all on their own, and of course they crumble. They can't do it. Do you think that right from the beginning they set their own personal goals too high? It's it's a a bit of a combination. I I will say yes to that, but also too I think that's what society has has Mm. come to expect Mm. of women. And I think that too... When you, when you think about the workplace, the workplace attitudes really haven't changed that much. Women are still afraid to be natural women in the workplace because they're afraid of being condemned. And so it's, it's like uh, we have to perform. We have to become little men, you know, in mm-hmm. inverted in commas, yes. And that, that part of us, the nurturing part, has had to be suppressed a lot. So I think women suffer greatly from that. One of the things that happened to me very recently, I was on public transport Mm. and there was a a couple of of young lasses sitting behind Mm. me and one of them was pregnant and she was saying, I'm not going to allow my baby to do this and I'm I'm not going to pick it up every time it cries. And She was setting standards at that stage, to my mind, that were she was never going to be able to achieve Mm. long term. Indeed, indeed. And if she doesn't achieve those things, how much is that of a risk of postnatal depression? Ah, now, that depends on lots of things. My my first reaction to your question was, ah, just wait until she sees the baby. (laughs) And if she's lucky enough to have a birth where the oxytocin is flowing and we've got all that love going on, I mean, it's like, that's just going to go out the window. Mm. And yes, indeed, I, I think... There's an idea there of I'm going to be, this is how I'm going to be a really good parent and I'm not going to spoil the child and all that stuff. But in reality, you know, that doesn't happen. Mm. Um, But women do set themselves, you know, they they do set themselves really high targets. And I think that, again, it is a a factor of postnatal depression indeed, yes. And and maybe that society expects us to have these high standards? Yes, indeed, you're you're right. You know, I can remember when uh, my... I think it was my first child. I was born. I, I was speaking to a group of mothers, and um, I think my son was about eight months old then, and he was having some teething difficulties, and he'd always slept very, very well through the night, and he wasn't at that point, and I mentioned it, and the response I got back was, oh, no, 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 we, we you know, such a good baby, you know, Joey, little Joey sleeps all night long and does all this stuff. Anyway, one night when I was standing there, you know, and you're tired, you can't see, your hair's all over the place, and you just think, I hope nobody can see me. It was three o'clock in the morning, and I was looking out the window in this little group of houses that I lived, and I saw all these lights on in different places, and I thought, oh, look. And then I suddenly realised that these were the houses where all these women who had these perfect babies were living. And they were up at three in the morning too. So it's like, yes, there is a pressure on us to say, yes, our baby sleeps. Or its its first words were, you know, at two months and it Mm. smiled at three days. Mm. You know, there's this whole performance anxiety, as I say, about being a mother and, and, and our children have to perform for us. So what can we do about making life easier for the mother, A, Mm -hmm. and the babe, Hmm. who ultimately is going to be involved with this tense or otherwise Hmm. atmosphere. What Hmm. can we do to reassure new mums that it doesn't have to be an A1 performance? Well, you know, I was looking at a a CD the other day that um, is used in the antenatal time from one of the birthing centres around here. 
And there was a wonderful woman on there called, I'll say the name slowly, she's an African woman from West Africa called Subanfu Somme. What a wonderful name, isn't it? Mm. You know, saying Subanfu Somme. And she's like that. She's a wonderful, colorful person. And she came to the West about 10 or 15 years ago, and her desire was to be able to help Western women birth more peacefully and naturally. And her idea of birth, I really believe, is a good model for us because how she looks at pregnancy, that's where it all starts. It's not the, to coin a phrase, it's not the, the end, the, the destination, it's the actual journey that counts. And that's what pregnancy is. It's a journey, it's a threshold to change. And what she does is she teaches women to relate to their babies, talk to their babies, because mm. the baby can hear them, the baby mm. hears them, the baby has consciousness in the womb. There's all sorts of studies to show that this child is, is responding to different things in the womb, so there's a relationship that's going on during pregnancy. And to have the community respect the woman, the fact that she is pregnant, and to take care of her. And it's all about inducing these hormones of calmness and connection as opposed to the hormones of fear and that that's what it's about that's what she does and for me that would be a really good model to start introducing into our birthing practices in this country and 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 you know in in general the western world what do you think the chances are of it happening comparatively soon and by that three four Five years. Oh, how long's a piece of string? Look, mm. I know that at present moment there are lots of people who are the World Health Organization for mm. one are really concerned about our birthing practices and have been for some time. But there are lots of people who are midwives, psychologists, many people, the public themselves who are starting to become aware of this necessity because it affects all of us. It affects our society when you think about it, if we don't start being responsible. So I would say, hopefully within the next 10 years, I'll, I'll say 10 because mm. I'm being conservative, if it's sooner, a fantastic, you know. Um, but we will see change. We're seeing it at a small level, but it's going to become more public. Susan, briefly, do you have any words of advice, wisdom for mums-to-be? Or even young mums, oh, you know, new mums. Right, new mums. Look, I've got a whole list here. I did say briefly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think what we need to do is we need to take care of ourselves before we have our babies. It's not just something that happens, you know. It's like we've got to start thinking about thinking our way into pregnancy because our psychology is so important. It's, it's like preparing ourselves. No athlete goes into run without preparation. Think about the Olympics. When did, when did Ian Thorpe go into the, the swimming pool? You know, he prepared for, for years beforehand. This is how we need to be in terms of our, our, our birthing. So be, take care of yourself. And also, too, from a psychological point of view, another thing that Sobanu Somme, that wonderful woman, said, clear out your cupboard, dust out the cobwebs. That basically means look at yourself, look at your attitudes, and if there's something in there that's stopping you from birthing, something that's happened to you in your personal life that's really going to upset you, you start working through that because you owe it to the next generation that's coming along. We owe it to society. So that's my advice. Bit of a tall order, but there you go. Susan, thank you for coming in and talking to me and, and giving us some very interesting insights. Now, if anyone would like to catch up with you via your website, yeah. which is very interesting, the site is www.susan.com. 
susandalby.com. Is that correct? That's right, yeah. And Susan Dalby is spelled S-U-S-A-N-D-A-L-B-Y. If we need to get in touch with you or anyone needs to get in touch with you, they can ring you? Yes, certainly. That mobile number there is fine. 0431-756-185. Susan, thanks very much for coming in and talking to me. This is Iris Nichols thanking you for listening. And until next time, from all of us here, we wish you well.